Well, good morning once again, everybody. I hope y'all are enjoying this wonderful winter weather that finally feels like it rolled into town today. It's, uh, again, in East Texas, we never know what to expect. One minute it's 80, the next minute it's 50. It's always nice, always a surprise. But it actually feels a little bit like Christmas outside this morning as I was getting ready, so that's nice to have. Um, Again, thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for choosing to come and worship with us, whether you're here in person or online. If uh, we haven't had a chance to meet and you're a guest with us today, my name's Aaron Glover. I'm the pastor here at FBC, and we're so glad to have you this morning. Before we get started, I want to give a thank you to Matt for stepping up last week and uh, delivering our message. Would you all do me a favor and give Matt a round of applause for the word he gave last week? I've been wanting to have Matt come and speak to us for a while now and just never really felt like a good time because Matt always has a lot of things going on. He works about 15 different jobs. He got a new baby, so somehow in the midst of all that, he found a way to manage in time for a sermon, and we greatly appreciate Matt and all he does for the church, and thank you for bringing that message. Looking at the Christmas story through the eyes of Mary and Joseph in a way that wasn't, you know, the typical nativity where everything seems like it's right and perfect and easy. It was kind of what Matt was bringing to us. And that sometimes whenever we think about the things in the Bible, when we read them, we, we often forget that they were real people just like us. You had this young girl who's betrothed to be married. This all happens. She has to be scared out of her mind, like Matt mentioned. The same thing with Joseph. Uh, again, what, what, how are they dealing with all of these things? When we think about the people in the scriptures, when we think about what happened to uh, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, whenever he was told that he would also have a baby who would be the forerunner to the Messiah, and then he was struck mute for several months until the baby was born. Think about this, ladies. If your husband came home and he couldn't speak at all, no matter how hard he tried, some of you might be really happy. <laughs> but it would put some strain on the relationship, right? And then finally, he does speak after he names the baby John. And again, as we look at this story, there's so many different pieces and, and parts to it that I don't want us to just glaze over this and think, oh, it's just, this is such an incredible story as we consider the birth of Christ. We consider the fact, the idea that the Son, the second person of the Trinity, God has existed for all eternity, the second person of the Trinity stepped down from heaven and became a man just like us. So that he could suffer like we suffer. He was suffered when he was tempted so that now he can help those who are tempted and suffering. He's our perfect representative because he became like us. And as I was going through and preparing for this week, there were so many different directions I wanted to go this entire uh, Christmas and holiday season, and none of them went out the way I wanted to. And this week, because of Matt's message last week, we looked at Mary and Joseph, and as I was reading through the story, I wanted to look at some other characters who may not get a whole lot of attention, but I, I really do think when we spend some time and look at their perspective, I, I really think it'll help us appreciate even more what God has done in the birth of his son, Jesus. We're going to look at the shepherds. The shepherds who are so important, we don't know their names. The shepherds who they get a quick glimpse in the story, and then they're gone, and we never really hear from them again. But I think the shepherds can play a very vital role in the Christmas story as we look at it today. 
I'm amazed at this fact. When God sends his son into the world, he had spoken through the prophets. The Jews, the people, had been waiting for hundreds of years for this Messiah to come. Every day waiting, every day waiting, going through periods of exile and delivery and coming back. Every day they're waiting for this Messiah to show up. They read the words of Isaiah. They read uh, all the different prophets and they, they are waiting for this Messiah. Every day, every day, every day. I mean, we get tired of waiting on things. When Amazon can't show up in two days, we get tired of waiting, right? Can you imagine waiting for generation after generation after generation after generation? Maybe God will show up today. Maybe God will show up. We hope he does. And then when God finally does show up, the first announcement he goes and makes he doesn't go into the temple and make this big announcement in the, in the city of Jerusalem. He doesn't go to all the greatest, uh, the priests or the powers and the, the principalities. He doesn't go announce it to Caesar and proclaim it to all the world. But who does he go to? He seeks out these shepherds, these nobodies. They're not even doing anything important. They are literally watching their flocks. We don't even know their names. God seeks out these lowly shepherds who are, again, if we just think about this one night, if you think about the life of a shepherd, there's, let's just say there's a couple of them, and let's get a glimpse into how exciting an evening of the shepherds would be, right? You got everything all gathered up, got your food and meal eaten for the night, Seems pretty exciting, huh? Might be telling some funny jokes. Might be telling some crass jokes. Sitting around wishing and hoping, thinking about better days to come, but just shepherds being shepherds. When all of the sudden, an angel appears to them. Just try to picture that for a minute. One minute you're sitting there talking with your, your buddies or, or whatever, with the other shepherds. You all stink. You all smell you're all uneducated, you're, all, you're just a bunch of shepherds, and then all of a sudden, an angel appears to you. Now, we've read the story a few times, we kind of know what's coming, but the shepherds have no idea. The shepherds weren't studiers of, uh, of great theology, they, they didn't have copies of, of all the scriptures to study constantly, to be on the lookout. And all of a sudden, an angel of God, God seeks them out. But when we think about the fact that God humbled himself, the high king of heaven humbled himself to become a babe, it should be no surprise that God seeks out such people to make his announcement. We're going to turn to uh, Luke chapter 2 and read verses 8 through 15. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 15 says, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy 
that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, if that weren't wild enough, the story amps up right here. It says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. I want you to picture this. Not just one angel, but an entire army of angels with the glory of God shining all around them as far as you can see. A, hef- a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, when we hear that verse, we hear one person speaking. But I want you to imagine thousands upon thousands of angels all at once in a united voice. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Again, God's seeking out the lowly. This is literally the first proclamation of the good news. When we say the word gospel, we mean the word good news. When the angel says, I have good news Glad tidings is what some of your versions may say. I bring you good news. That this day, the day you've been waiting for, generation upon generation, your father's 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 father, that one that they've been talking about for years and years, that you heard him talk about and heard him talk about and heard him talk about, We have good news for you. It's here. No matter how many times we hear this story, we hear about the birth of Jesus every single year, every single year, every single year, but it should not lose that that awesomeness. That awesomeness that finally, again, God stepped out of heaven, put on a body, not just wearing one, but becoming like us. What he told Abraham, what he told Moses, what he told David, what he showed Isaiah, what he showed Micah, what he showed all these leaders and and deliverers and prophets through the ages, it's finally here. And the first people God decides to tell is a bunch of shepherds. Say, unto you is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I want to look at this wording real quick. A Savior. Israel's had many Savior archetypes throughout their history. Moses was one of them. Moses delivered them out of the land of Egypt. 
Moses interceded with them for God. Moses gave them the law. They've had saviors. But the problem with Moses was that Moses was a man and Moses had sin. Go and look at King David. David delivered them from the Philistines. David was the one after God's own heart. God said, "My the throne is going to come through your line, David, and your throne will never end. But the problem with David was David had sin. When you look at every savior, deliverer throughout all of scripture, the problem with them all is their sin. But this savior is different. The angel's literally saying to him, there's been born for you a savior today. If you go look right now, there's a savior that's born today. But he's not just any savior. He is Christ He is the anointed one, the Messiah. He is the chosen one. This is the Savior. This is God's chosen Savior to deliver Israel for all time. And he is the Lord. We look at this also, it's, The Lord, what does that word mean? Sometimes we say things in church and we don't really understand what it means. Sometimes the word Christ can become that way for people. Christ means the Messiah, the chosen, the anointed one, him, the Lord. Lord is a a master. He's a ruler, a king. And when it refers to the Lord in this way, they're actually saying God who is the Lord. The almighty, the sovereign ruler of the universe. The angels were proclaiming to these shepherds that the Savior, the all-time Savior forever, the chosen one, has been born. And it's none other than God himself has come to them. Your anointed king who will save you is finally Think about this, and such a king, right? This is the king over all the universe. This is the king of heaven. He is worshipped by angels, and by he lives in heaven. He has everything he ever wants. He needs nothing. So this king, this is the highest of high kings. He deserves every, the greatest of everything, right? He deserves to be born in the most powerful families, in the richest palace, surrounded by, by gold and jewels and the finest cloths and linings. He should have everything at his disposal, right? That's what he deserves. So surely the shepherds might be thinking, well, that's where they're going to find him. That's where, that's where they're going to find him. But wait, the angel said he's born this day in the city of David, that's Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem is not a capital city. It's not even an important city. It's a city that had no walls. It had no major economy, no, nothing really that special about Bethlehem. This is, the shepherds were probably a little confused at this. Number one, they have an angel speaking to them and then a host of angels. But number two, again, This doesn't make sense. The most high God, the Savior, God's chosen champion, what's he doing in Bethlehem? There's nothing out there. But Bethlehem, what it lacks in size, what it lacks in commerce, what it lacks in all the finer things, it was not Jerusalem. Jerusalem. 
There's some neat things about Bethlehem when you go back and look in the scripture. The angels mentioned it as the city of David, right? The city of David, that's where David was actually from. Whenever the prophet Samuel went to anoint David to be king, he went to Jesse's house, he went to Bethlehem. And whenever the prophet anointed God's chosen king, he goes in and tells Jesse to, hey, call out your boys. Let's get them all lined up. Get all the boys lined up. You got some, some big strapping lads. You got a, the oldest one. He's, he's tall. He's muscular. He's, you know, he's ready to go. Samuel's like, that's it. I see him right there. I see him. God said, nope. We'll go to the next one. They go down the line all the way. They get to the end. Not him either. Jesse, is this all your sons? And they called David. What was David doing when they called him? David was a little shepherd boy. Out in the field, just minding his own business. They called David in, this young, little. God says, that's the one. That's the one I want. And God chose him. God didn't choose the highest, the most powerful, the richest, the most... God chose the weak things to shame the strong. He chooses the foolish things to shame the wise. God doesn't do things our way. And that's why he chose Bethlehem. They, go, they know it's, he's being born in Bethlehem. But I also want to think about this. The, they said you're going to go there and find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. That's, you know, wrapping up your baby. Lying in a manger. Again, if I'm the shepherds, I'm confused. God, number one, if he's the king, he needs to be born in a palace. Number two, you lay babies in beds. Are you sure you gave the Christ to the right people if they're putting the baby in a manger? This doesn't make sense. See, we read this, we've seen this so many times in our lives that we forget how strange this must have been. The angels are proclaiming that this is the true Messiah, who is God himself, and yet when they go to see him in Bethlehem, nowhere, they're going to find a baby in a manger. Surely the Messiah would not be born in such a place. Why would God demean himself and come down and be born in Bethlehem, be placed in a, in a manger? Like I said, God does not do things the way we would. God says, my, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. God humbled himself to become one of us, to go through everything we had to go through. Now think about this also. After the angel tells him this, a host, the multitude appears, an army of them, and they start proclaiming glory to God in the highest. This baby, this birth, this in Bethlehem, in a manger, this is the glory of God in the highest. This baby, singing his praises. They say, on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
Like, wait a second, that feels kind of, I don't, I don't, I, I, I struggled with that statement for a little while when I read it. I don't know, you ever read things in the Bible and you kind of struggle with them? You read something and you say, how does that make any sense? I don't, I don't understand. Glory to God in the highest, got it. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Okay, so he's peace on earth between man and God. That's what Jesus came for. But there's only peace between man and God with whom he's pleased? Wait, wait a second. So does that mean I have to fulfill the whole law and keep God happy and do everything I got to do? Because I can't do that. I already know that. So how could I have peace between God if I already know he's not pleased with me? I already know my actions aren't good enough for him. Psalms 147.11 tells us that the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. Let me read that again. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and hope in his steadfast love. See, this baby came to deliver us and make peace between man and God. All we have to do is believe and hope in him. And God is pleased with us. He gives us that peace. Glory to God in the highest. And peace between man and God for every person who hopes in God's steadfast love. If your hope is in God's steadfast love, you have the peace of God in your life. This baby that's born, he is the image of the invisible God. He's God. He's going to be the prince of peace. Rule the world. Just a baby in a manger. How can God become a baby? Babies can't even hold their heads up. A baby can't do anything for itself. A baby is dependent on you for everything, right? You remember when you brought your child home from the hospital, that child started doing the dishes and doing the laundry around the house as soon as you brought it home that week? That baby was dependent you want to talk about humbling himself god humbled himself for us and again these shepherds their their minds must have been blown they they must have thought they were hallucinating they must have thought that they had lost their minds when they when they heard this this good news of great joy there's a baby born in bethlehem and he's the savior they might have thought, well, maybe everybody's seeing this. We're seeing this. We're seeing an angel army. Maybe everybody in the whole world is seeing this. And we don't know how long the angel stayed there. It's one of those parts of Scripture as I read it. It says, the angels went back up into heaven. As if that was nothing. You know, sometimes you read it, says, and then they went back into heaven. Well, how'd they go? Like, what did it look like? What? <laughs> Come on, give me some more here. I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to see this. How long did they stay there and proclaim the good news and revel in God? They go back up into heaven and then you're left. It's nighttime. 
All that's there is the shepherds and their sheep. They're standing there, their minds are blown, and you hear, in the background, and I can't do a sheep noise. That's the best one I got, sorry. I mean, they're just standing there. I love their response. Love their response. Verse 15, they say, let's go. Let's go and see this thing which has been told to us. Let's go. They're not talking about in Bethlehem. They didn't go see, well, let's go see so we can disprove it. or that, That's not true. We, we just need to go see that they're wrong. They were, they were excited. They were excited. They actually believed that this was true. And you, and you might say, well, how do we know they believed? It, it says, let us go see this thing that happened which the Lord has made known to us. They believed that the angels had been sent to them by God, that God had told them, and they were going to go see. They were going to go into Bethlehem and see this thing that the Lord, remember, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, they were going to go see what the Lord had told them about this baby, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Again, they weren't theologians, they weren't priests, they weren't politicians, they weren't anything. They heard the words. They heard the gospel, the good news. And they rushed to go see what it was all about. As impossible as it might have sounded, as ridiculous as parts of it might have seemed to them, they went and rushed to go see we don't know where their faith was at. We don't know what tradition, how, how well, if any of them actually believed anything at all. They were shepherds. Shepherds weren't even allowed to testify in Jewish court. They were not guys who sat around studying books all day. They were guys who took care of animals. But when they heard the gospel, they rushed to go see this baby. And today... I don't care if you've heard this a thousand times in your life. You might have heard it a billion times in your life. But I proclaim to you the same news that the angels proclaim to the shepherds. Good news of great joy for all people. From every tribe, every nation, and every tongue, as the book of Revelation tells us. That unto you... You, 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 you is born, is born, real flesh and blood. Become a man, become one of you in the city of David, in a real place, in a real time, a real man was born. And he's the savior of the world. Savior, who is the Lord, and his name is Jesus Christ. This is the good news that we look for and hope for our entire life. That the anointed king of the universe stepped down from heaven, who humbled himself, came to this world, was born to suffer the penalty of death, to free you and bring life to you and set you free 
bring you into salvation, to bring you into true life, and to bring peace between you and God, that you may live in peace with God forevermore. This baby is born, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And as you hear this news, you get to do one of two things. You can either hear the good news of Christ coming, just let it go in one ear and out the other. Yeah, I know, I've, I've heard that. I, thanks. Yeah, I heard about it. Yeah, I said the prayer when I was seven. Got it. It's good. Yeah, yeah, I know. They, they tell us this every year. Every year it happens. We show up. We, yeah, yeah, we give the gifts. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. That can be one response. Or here's the other. When you hear this good news that the Lord is come and he's come for you. Specifically, you. Because he loves you. You can be like the shepherds. Say, let's go see. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing which the Lord has made known to us. Let's go to Bethlehem. God has brought his gospel to you. And he invites you to come see him every moment of every day. You are invited to gaze upon your Savior. You are invited. He came for you. He loves you. This week as we celebrate and honor his birth, think through that. There's so many fun parties and and presence and family and so many good things this time of year so many good things but just remember this all week okay if you don't if you if you didn't hear a single thing i said okay even since i've been here okay right since since like june listen to me right here okay he came for you he came for you he came for you let's pray our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. God, as we have, have gathered in just a few days, we will be celebrating the miraculous birth of your Son, Jesus. God, you, you put a plan into motion before the world began, before our sin ever happened, before we first sinned in the garden. You put a plan into action generation and generation ago. You, you chose the kingdom that you would bring your son through through the line of David God you've been working all of this together throughout all of human history you've been working all of this out ever since that first moment in the garden when Adam and Eve took of that fruit and plunged us all into darkness and we joined in with them with our sin but you didn't abandon us to die no you set a plan into motion to save us and not just to save us, but to save us yourself. To come down here and get the job done yourself because only you could do it right. And God, we're in awe of you. We're in awe of you that the one who created the universe 
was laid in a manger so that he could suffer like us, that he could die for us, that he could represent us. Lord, I pray as we go throughout this week, as we go throughout all the festivities and the activities and all that good stuff, God, help us to enjoy those. They're wonderful blessings. But keep at the center of our hearts and minds and souls the very thought that you came for us. You were born for us. Help us to be in awe of that. I pray we never lose our awe at you that we are overwhelmed by your goodness and your grace every single day. God, I pray for everyone in this room, those who've known it for years, I pray that it still stirs in them new every single time they hear the gospel. And for those who've never heard it or never realized what it means, I pray that your spirit would work in them in the days ahead and right now. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. Glory to God in the highest. We pray this in the name of our Lord, our Savior, and our King Jesus. Amen.